mic got you done? Are you here because your parents, you know, are trying to drug you? Thank you. 
He was a historical figure. Four writers of the gospel wrote for story after story of Jesus. The Apostle Paul and Peter said he did. We step out of of, of the Bible and the Roman historian like Josephus gives us records of his life and crucifixion. He even mentions the rumors of the resurrection. And Jesus is listed in the book of an antiquity. And even Titus, the Roman senator and historian, tells of the life of Jesus. So I think it's no problem for us to look back in history and recognize the actual historical figure of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, listen, it's interesting that I listen to all these, you can go on YouTube and things, and you can listen to all these Jewish people who have come now, they're now Messianic Jews, and they've come to Christ. It's interesting that every one of them, one of the things they all have in common is that they came to a realization that Jesus was a Jew. Well, hello. We've known that for us. But evidently, the Jewish nation doesn't not want you to know that Jesus was a Jew. So are we looking at this? Yeah, I know about Elvis. I know about Elvis, but I never met Elvis. Well, a lot of people know about Jesus. But have you met Jesus? No? So we teach and we preach the virgin birth. We preach the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, that He arose, and we teach in the future, which we believe it to be very soon, His coming back. We teach the rapture and the second coming. Most churches believe that the virgin birth, the crucifixion, Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the soon coming back of the Jesus to his getting church. But we leave out one important event, and that is the ascension of Jesus to heaven. We just read this in Acts. We just read it, and Acts 1 it tells us, it tells us in verse 9, now when they had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up in a cloud and received out of their sight. He was taken up. And then verse 10 and 11 tells us that there were two men standing there. And some people believe, and I really, you know, this really makes sense. Some people think that these, it doesn't say angels, it says two men. And those two men may have been Moses and Elijah. We don't know for a fact, but it could be. And think about that. If that was it, that was also the two witnesses. It's going to be in Revelation. So, you know, he's taken up. And it was the glorified Jesus who went up into heaven. And this same Jesus, this same Jesus will return to the same place. Listen to what it says over in Zechariah 14, verse 4. It says, And in that day, he's talking about when Jesus comes. Now, this is the second coming, not the rapture, because the rapture, we go up and we meet him in the air. We meet him in the air. what it says. It says, and in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, the exact place he left from, Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem in the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two. Always wondered why from the east to the west. Wondered why. Because at that time, Jews at that time, those people that are really, have come, uh, Messianic Jews that come to those Jews are going to need a place to escape from, and it's going to create a valley through there so they can go. But listen to this, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two. 
from the east to west making a large valley. Half of the mountain shall move towards the north, and out half towards the south. So when he comes, he's going to stand on that mountain. And when I was in Israel, I, we had a guy that his grandfather started the first Messianic, uh, first Messianic church in, in, in uh, Jerusalem, and I asked him that question. Because I had heard even Holiday Inn at one time wanted to put a hotel on top of it. They wouldn't let them. But one of the reasons they could not do it is because there's a split in that mountain from the top to the bottom. And I asked our Jew, I said, is that really true? Is that just some kind of make-up thing that there's a split in that mountain from the top to the bottom? He said, it's true. That mountain's just sitting there waiting for our Lord to come get it. Just sitting there waiting. And so we read this, and so... So now listen to what they said to the disciples in verse 10. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Uh, in, in white apparel. And, and notice, and then he goes on to verse 8, who said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, notice this, the same Jesus, who, uh, who was taken up from you in heaven will so come in manner as you saw him go into heaven. It's like they're, you know, it's like they're telling these guys, "Hey, you guys over here sitting there gazing up. Hey, it's not over. Understand, it's not over. We're not coming to an end. No, a thousand times, no. This is the great beginning. And it's like they're saying to him right at that time, get busy. He's saying to him as a church." You need to be busy. You need to be about your father's business. Don't stand there lollygagging around. Get busy. That's what he's saying. Why are you standing there looking up? Get busy. He's coming back. But in the meantime, get busy, church. Understand what they're saying here is Jesus is alive. And not only is he alive, but he's acted just as much as he was when he walked upon the face of this earth. And he's here today. Jesus is here. Before you go to sleep, remember Jesus is watching you. Jesus is here. You say, how in the world can you say that, make that statement that Jesus, because Jesus said over in the book of Matthew 18, verse 20, he said this, he said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. So let me tell you something, my Lord is here this morning. Amen? He's not off doing something else, he's here. Jesus Christ. The Almighty, Omnipotent, Omnipresent, Omniscient Son of God is here this morning. He's here. Jesus is alive and He's active now at this very moment. So what is Jesus doing today? Right now, at this very moment, what is Jesus doing? I want to suggest two things the Lord Jesus is busy with right now. Number one... He's in heaven preparing a place for you and for me. John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. 
If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, I used to be also. Then the groom looked at the bride, and here's what he said. 
said, don't you worry about anything. Let your hearts be troubled. Because if you believe in me, if you believe in God, believe also in me. He said, now listen to what he says. I go now to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. That's what he says to us. When we were over in, in Jerusalem, uh, when we were over in, in, in Jerusalem, this is why we saw all these houses. Here be a square house, and here's a room built on it. Because over there, I don't think I want to live in Jerusalem. Because over there, their kids don't leave. And there's some of those houses that have two or three boxes put on it. I mean, I know there's people that have empty death syndrome. We didn't have that. When our kids moved out, <laughs> but they don't, when they, they build on the house and the kids and his new bride, they all move in together. That's what they do. They move in. And so, and, and, and so when they do, I mean, you know, and so he's preparing them. Now, the Bible says over in the Bart, Mark, book of Mark, and I've had people stand there and say, well, now, you know, the Bible doesn't say that we know the time that Jesus is coming. You people that think that Jesus is going to come in. Well, listen to what, I know where they're getting that from, Mark 13, 32. But of the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angel of heaven, the Son of Man, only the Father. So Jesus did tell us that we know the season when He's coming. And He also, you read Thessalonians, He tells you that you and I are not in the dark. We're in the light about when He's coming. The people that are in the dark are those that don't believe. That's the people that's not going to know when He's coming. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to us right before He gets here. That's what He says in Acts chapter one. But He says, He says simply that, that only the listen but of the day and hour, no one knows, not in the age, nor the Son. Well, why doesn't Jesus? I believe Jesus knows. But why is it that Jesus didn't know? Because it's not His responsibility. It is the responsibility of the Father. The Father is the one, the building inspector, that says whether or not the, the uh, bridal chamber is ready to go. And so the Father is the only one that really knows and can approve it. And the Father's responsibility is to determine when that bridal chamber is ready. And when we were in all those homes, but thus the bridal chamber is finished, and the Father looks over to the Son, and He says, Go get your bride. And it won't be long until God the Father is going to look over to His Son and say, Go get your bride. And Jesus is going to split the eastern sky. And I look for Him every day. This week, boy, I really want Him. I want him to come so bad I can't hardly see him. I, I mean, you know, he comes to get her. And when the and when the groom goes to get in the Jewish wedding, when he goes to get the bride, he comes maybe at midnight. It's a time that you do not know. It's what the Bible says, and he comes to get her with great anticipation. See, the bridesmaids, the ten bridesmaids, the Bible talks about, were to keep the bride looking for him. And so he shouts out her name. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air. And so shall we be with one another. And then it says this, and comfort one another with these words. Those people that 
family, I'm going to go through the tribulation. That's not a very good thing. I'm comforted by the fact that the Lord's going to come and get me before all that mess takes place. He blows his trumpet, the sound of exhilaration. And, and to come for his beloved, one of the greatest times of celebration man will ever know. And can you even begin to imagine? Think about this. Can you even begin to imagine the place that Jesus is preparing for you and I? I mean, how many times? I mean, can you begin to imagine? John 1, 3 says, All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Can we even begin to imagine what some of the things that Jesus is preparing? Have you ever seen a sunset? And you look and say, Man, what a sunset. You ever gone to the mountains and looked out over the valleys and things and looked and think that God created all? Have you ever gone to the ocean and looked at things like that? Have you ever looked at flowers? Have you ever looked at a butterfly and seen the intricate delicacy in the butterfly's wings and everything? Can you imagine, can you even begin to imagine what Jesus is preparing for us? The glory that's going to be shown forth at that time. Can we even begin to imagine that place? The Greek word for mansion is the word mama, and it means a biting place. Jesus is saying the vast universe is filled with a biting place. Can you imagine the place that Jesus is preparing? Revelation 21 gives us a glimpse. He uses most extensively useless materials that mankind has ever known. Jasper stone, clear and crystal. The city was pure gold like clear glass. The walls were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. Sapphire and emerald, topaz, just a few gates made out of the pure uh, pearl. Streets of pure gold. Like transparent glass.
loves you so much that He cares about you. He cares about your life and what you're going through. He cares about the problems, the financial problems, the sickness, everything. He just cares about you right now. Because He's interceding on your behalf right now. Listen to what it says over in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 33 and 34. It, it says, Who shall bring a charge to once we're saved, who can come and say anything about it? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. He's the one that justifies. But listen to what 34 says. Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen from even the right hand of God. Who, even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession. Jesus rose and as a result of that we've been justified. And as a result of that we now make intercession for us. Christ removed all condemnation because Romans 8 1 says, There is therefore now no more condemnation to those in Christ Jesus because we're secure because of the full, 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 full work of Christ. One, Christ died for us, He was delivered for our offenses. Two, Christ was raised from the dead, raised for our justification. He's standing at the right hand of God. He's up there right now. He's a living Christ. Do you know Him? Then why not appeal to Him right now? What do you buy? You know, Jesus says to us, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why do you carry those burdens? Why do you do that? Why do you carry those problems and you never go to Him? You come to Him right now. He's waiting for you. He's interceding you. He makes intercession for you. Right now, may I ask you a question? Hebrews 10, 11, and 12 says, And every priest stands ministry 
daily, often repeatedly, the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down. Then the great high priest Jesus Christ died and said, It is finished. Oh, I wish I could just sit here and stand there. Jesus went and bowed his head on Calvary and said, It is finished. And yet some of us think we've still got to add a little bit to it. Well, it's finished. It's finished, and nobody can add to or take away from what Christ has done. I'm saved by the grace of God, but I'm saved by what Jesus did, and Jesus plus nothing. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't live my life trying to make it into heaven. I live my life now because I don't want to live my life to be saved. I, I live my life now because I am saved. And there's some people who, when their life goes in something with Israel all the time, they miss the point. They're around the church, they're in the church, they come to service, whatever, but they've never gotten saved. Oh my friend. Some people say, well, I'll do, when I can get to the place that I do a whole lot better, when I try to live a better life, then I'll come. You won't be able to live a better life. Not the life that God, God requires. He requires Christ and Christ alone. That's the only life that can save you. When a person is skinned and unsure of the outcome, he stands to receive his patience. Jesus said the only record of Jesus standing was Stephen, the, the first martyr, when he stood up, when he saw him being stoned to death. Do we ever begin to comprehend what it means to have the Almighty Son of God intervening for you and me right now? And Hebrews 7, 25 says this, Therefore he also is able to save to the uttermost. Some of you think, well, I've just gone too far. No, you haven't. The Bible says where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. But He's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. Some people say, well, I would come, but you know, I'm afraid I can't live it. I can't stay the course. But He saves to the uttermost, to the end. Philippians 1, 6 says, He who has begun a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus Christ. He will complete it, not you. If you ever live, if you ever live, ever live to make intercession for us. This is why Paul wrote Romans 5, verse 8 and 11. He conquered death and he's alive today. Listen to what it says. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, five times in that, in that chapter, much more, the words we use, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved. If we've been justified and, and saved by what he did, by what he did at Calvary, dying for our sins, how much more, now that he's alive and he intercedes for us, shall we be saved? That's what he's saying. Verse 11 says, not only that, but we also rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. Christ is not dead, but living. Right at this very moment, He's alive. He's emphasized the death and He emphasized the death and resurrection of Christ, but we need to go beyond that. We have to do that with the living Christ. We know Him 
no longer after the flesh, what the Bible says, to know Him as our great high priest at God's right hand. The picture in our mind that the Lord sets at the right hand of God is His right hand. The picture in our in our mind that the, my Lord sets at the right hand of God, that picture we need to be embedded in our mind. He's standing there for you.
And an advocate is a paraclete, one who comes alongside, a comforter, someone to stand at your side. Everything he does is righteous. He'll be saved by his own. Is it not wonderful to know that we have a living Christ? That we have a living Christ? That you are not alone? And when we realize that, then this baby stuff for you and I to sit down and cry, oh, I say I'm so alone. There's nobody to help me. To whom shall I go? My friend, what do you think he's doing up there? Just turn to him, is what he's saying. So Jesus sits at the right hand of God, and the wounds in his hands and his feet and the scars on his brow and the hole in his side settle the issue. Jesus is not talking. You know, some people think, well, as Jesus up there sitting at the right hand of God, he said, God, let's go ahead. Let's get you let's go get you. No, 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 wait a minute, Lord. Have mercy on him. Thank you. 
in my name, that will I do that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do so. Now let me close this way. Some of you may be sitting today and say, Well, you talk to everybody in the world. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to you. You know, there's, a, there's a great verse of Scripture that's found over there. Just throughout the Bible, by the way, it's not just the book, but I picked out Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. It's not true. Kiss the Son.